Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, and I'll meet me at verse 18. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And I encourage you to read the entire chapter of Romans 4 when you get home. Matter of fact, just read the entire epistle of Romans, the entire letter of Romans. It is one of the greatest reads you will ever take the time to read. It just talks about, Romans literally talks about our redemption, how we were dead in our sins, and how because of God's grace and his mercy, we became alive in him. And we look here at verse 18, it says, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be verse 19 and not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead since he was a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And look at verse 21. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. This passage is talking about a man named Abraham. And we have the ability to see the last scene of Abraham's life when he is the father of many nations and the Jewish people are birthed from his lineage and he is the father of the faith. And so we have the opportunity and the benefit to see the last scene of his movie, the last scene of his life. But I want to rewind all the way back to the beginning of Abraham's life when he was known as Abram. Wasn't Abraham, he was Abram. And at this point, Abram uh, is living with his relatives. He's 75 years old, he's married, and he's living in the land of his relatives. Now, will somebody agree with me that if you are 75 living with your relatives, it's time to move out? Would you agree with that? Time to get out the house, time to get away from your relatives. And this might be a, be a word for somebody right now. It might be time for you to leave your relatives, leave them crazy cousins alone, get away from them trifling uncles and aunts. It may be, just may be time to leave your relatives. I love family, but how many of you know sometimes family can hold you back? Family can keep you down. You can't go no further than me. And sometimes that's the case. Now, not all the time, but that might be a word for somebody. Leave your relatives. And so the Lord told Abram to leave his relatives, and he said, go to a place that I will show you. So he doesn't even tell Abram where he's going. He said, you're going to have to hear from me each step of the way. Doesn't that sound just like the Lord? That, that he's going to speak to us and tell us each step of the way. He doesn't always give us everything at once. We're going to get a little bit at a time. We're going to gradually receive a word from God at a time. And if you haven't heard from God in a while, you might want to ask yourself, what is the last thing God told me to do? Because if you haven't done the last thing he told you to do, ain't no reason for him to keep talking. And contrary to popular belief, people say, oh, that God is always talking. God is not always talking. God is not always talking. If you, he, he's a man, listen, of 
few words, because if he just is a blabbing at the mouth all the time, then at some point he might start lying. And we know God is not a man that he should lie. If you know a blabbermouth, you know a liar. I'm just going to say that right now. But God is talking to you, and sometimes he might say one word or another. Sometimes he might just say something to you, and you're going to have to do what he said do in order to accomplish the goal he had. Because he promised him, I will bless you. This is what he told him in Genesis 12. I will bless you, but you're going to have to do what I'm telling you to do one step at a time. And he did end up blessing Abraham, Abram. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, uh, it says that Abram was rich. Somebody shout rich. This is a Bible word. He was rich in livestock and in silver and gold. A Bible word. People are scared of this word, rich. It is a Bible word, rich. That means you have more than enough. And so Abram was rich. God blessed him. But there was one thing that Abram didn't have. He didn't have a son. He had no one to raise. He had no lineage. He had no children at all, by the way. He was barren. He and Sarah were barren, and they didn't have any kids. And in Genesis 14, we find out that Abram runs into a guy by the name of Melchizedek, who is the high priest of the earth. And Melchizedek is a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe Melchizedek was the Lord Jesus Christ coming into this earth. And Abram has a meeting with him in Genesis 14. And what happened was there was a war, but Abram's, Abram's men defeated the other army and returned all the spoils and all of the wealth of that other army and received it. And he met with Melchizedek, Melchizedek and he tithed everything that he got. He gave a tenth of all to the high priest, which is the Lord. And then in verse 15, we find out that Abram is blessing the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And Lord is saying, the Lord's telling him, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And then Abraham says, I don't have a son. And God said, I'm going to give you a son. And it's not going to be someone that you adopt. It's not going to be someone that you, a foster child. It's going to be a son that comes from your own wombs, from the womb of Sarah, from your own lineage. This son will be brought forth through you. Now, Abram and Sarah are 75 and 65 respectfully. And if they couldn't have a child at 25, what makes you think they're going to have a child at 75? If they couldn't have a child at 35, how you going, how Sarah going to have one at 65? And so, but they heard this word from God, this promise from the Lord that you are going to have a son. And then they had to wait 25 years for this promise to come to pass. 25 years. At 100 years old, we just read, they became, they conceived and became pregnant and birthed Isaac, the son, 25 years. Did you hear what I said? 25 years. Now, on the way, they tried to get out of God's plan and, and Sarah had a plan. Hey, here's what we'll do. Why don't you go sleep with my maidservant and my maidservant, you birthed a child and y'all have a child together. And Abram Sam said, that's a great idea. No, he should have said, no. 
He said, that's, that's something I've been thinking about. Thank you for bringing it up. And then when he did it, the wife said, when, it, when Ishmael came, the wife said, how could you do this? Well, this was your idea. Don't fall for it. Amen. Don't fall for it. And so they, they got out of God's plan and had Ishmael, but God wanted to get them back on the plan. He said, no, I'm going to birth a child through you. But they had to wait 25 years. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been meditating, been studying my own personal life. You're getting something from my own personal life today. Are you ready? This is this ain't this ain't a sermon. This is uh, this is from the from the uh, the safe, the treasure box, the lock box. Glory to God. And I, I, I've been thinking. And well, last week we talked about worry. And in Matthew six thirty four, it says, "Do not worry about tomorrow." For tomorrow will worry about its own things and worry divides your mind, preoccupies your mind with the troubles of tomorrow and brings the troubles of tomorrow into today. And so now not only are you dealing with the troubles of the day, you're dealing with the troubles of tomorrow as well. And that's what worry does. It, it brings it in like an outstretched arm, the troubles of tomorrow into today and it will zap your it will zap you of joy which will cause you to lose strength, which then will cause you to not even be able to accomplish the things that you are supposed to accomplish today. But conversely, hope is the opposite, diametrically opposed to worry. Hope actually brings the expectation of tomorrow, the joy of tomorrow, the peace of tomorrow, and brings it into today, which would give you strength for the day, which would then give you the ability to continue and last tomorrow. This is what hope does. Somebody say hope. Put that in the comments. Put that in the chat. Hope, hope. This is what hope does because hope is an intense, earnest expectation of something good happening in your life in the future. Worry is the opposite. It's an intense earning expectation of something evil, wicked happening in your life in the future. Hope is an expectation and assurance on a strong foundation that what God has promised shall come to pass in my life. Now, in the English dictionary and in our English vocabulary and in our linguistics, we like to talk about the word hope as if there's doubt involved in it. Well, I hope it doesn't rain. I hope it does rain. Well, I hope that the, the Cowboys win today, and I do hope that. But no, <laughs> that's the English kind of hope. And I, and I hope that, you know, I, I hope that they don't cut my job. And, and, and there's an element of doubt that comes with this kind of hope where, well, it may rain, it may not rain. The Cowboys may win, they may not win. They may just cut your job. And we, we have mixed biblical hope with American hope, and we say it's all the same. But American hope is doubt. There is full of doubt that is mixed in together that, you know what, if it hasn't happened by a certain period of time, then maybe it's not going to happen. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of y'all, some of y'all are, are, have given up on your dreams. You're giving up on your hope. You're giving up on your expectation. 
You're giving up on getting married. You're giving up on starting that business. You're giving up on having a kid. You're giving up on receiving what God has promised to for you. You just really have given up on it because it's taking too long. And if it's taking too long, then maybe, just maybe, I'm not supposed to have that. And if it's taking too long, then maybe, just maybe, that God was wrong. And if it's taking too long, then maybe, just maybe, that God's word's not true. And the greatest fear of all is the fear that what God has promised us will not come to pass. It's the greatest fear of all. If God has said, I'll protect you, your greatest fear is God's not going to really protect you. If God said, I'll provide for you, your greatest fear is God's not going to really provide for me. If God has said that I'm going to lead God and direct you, your greatest fear is God's not really going to lead God and direct me. And this is why everything we do has to do with faith. We have to trust and believe God. We have to consider that God's word is true and let every man be a lie. God's word is true. I don't care how long it takes for something to come to pass. God's word is true. I don't care what Pookie and Ray Ray are saying about it. God's word is true and everybody else is a lie. This is what faith and hope does for our soul. Matter of fact, in Hebrews 6, 19, it says that hope is an anchor for our soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your thinking, your choosing, your filler. The intense, earnest expectation of something good happening to me because God has promised to me is an anchor for your emotions that are going here, there, and everywhere. And you're feeling like, well, what's taking so long? And maybe God didn't really speak that to me. And Abraham and Sarah could have went through this. They had the opportunity to go through this whole ordeal that, well... God promised us a child, and they could have fell into what Eve fell into in Genesis chapter 3 and 4. Did God really say? And by the Spirit of God, I hear people saying that, well, this hasn't happened yet. Did God really say? And you believe in God, and you're standing for healing in your body. And well, you know, I heard the preacher say healing's not for everybody. Maybe I'm not supposed to be healed. Now, the word never says that. But someone's experience says that, and then they're going to teach you their experience, and which will then begin to trump what the word says. Because you're caught up in this whole idea of what's taking so long. Maybe God didn't say, and this is what the enemy in Genesis 3 and 4 told Eve, did God really say? Did he really say? Now, the enemy has introduced doubt. Now the enemy has introduced unbelief. Now the enemy has introduced questioning. And you've gotten off of the hope, the intense, earnest expectation that God has placed in your life saying he's going to do something for you. He's going to come through for you. He's going to he's going to do whatever the case may be for you. He's going to do it for you. And you've gotten off of it because did God really say? Well, maybe he didn't mean it that way. Uh, maybe, maybe I was eating popcorn and, and I didn't hear it. Now, I'm talking about when you're hearing from God and it's confirmed with two or three witnesses. You, you listen to what I'm saying. Not something you didn't conjure it up, but you, you, you know by, that God has said this and there's some friends. You got some faithful friends 
that you know that you've shared this with them. God has said it and, and they should be encouraging you and, and hold on to what God said because there is a promise that you have from God. God has announced to you that he's going to do something in your life. You hold on to this promise. But then Proverbs tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Meaning disappointment will make you sad. I was thinking about this the other day. Follow me on this. Disappointment will make you sad. The word dis, D-I-S in disappointment is the word not. And the word appointment is the word assignment. So disappointment, not assignment. This is the Devon definition, not your assignment. So if you're disappointed about something, it quite possibly be it wasn't your assignment. Oh, come on, somebody. I didn't get that job. It may not have been your assignment. I didn't get that promotion. That may not have been your assignment. I'm disappointed. But it may not have been your assignment. Many years ago, I'll tell a story of myself. I really was believing God that I was going to get this particular job. Man, I was praying over and I, this job is for me and, and it's, I know it is and, and I'm, I'm praying and I'm fasting and any godly thing you can think of is what I was doing. Okay. Whatever you think is godly, that's what I was doing because I believe God wanted me to have this job and the position came up and man, this is my job. I know God wants me to have it. And, uh, it was a job at the time to be a youth minister at a particular church, fairly large church. And I was, at the time I was involved in youth ministry and I was believing God, this is, this is the job. This is it. I know they're going to hire me and, and this is one. And it came and I got interviewed, so on and so forth. And they didn't even hire me. They hired some, some Rudy Pooh. I shouldn't say that. They hired somebody else. They hired someone else. And I thought, oh my gosh, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. And I, I realized that led me to Charlotte, North Carolina. That disappointment led me to move. A year later, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. A year or two later, I met Stacy. And, 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 and then a year or two later, we, you know, we start this church. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. That disappointment was not my assignment. Mm. Are y'all getting this? It, it, it wasn't my assignment and so sometimes we mix disappointment with this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But in actuality, it may not be what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And this is why we got to trust God. This is why we got to keep hope alive. You know, because people say, hey, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. I submit to you, get your hopes up. Not the American hope, but the biblical hope that Jesus is coming back soon. I'm expecting him. Jesus said that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm expecting that. Jesus said that he will watch over me and protect me. I'm expecting that. Jesus said that he shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. I'm expecting that. This is where hope this is where hope has to get in on the inside of you and say, I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I feel. I am only moved by what I believe. And Abram said this. He said, contrary to hope, or in verse 18, it says in the Passion Translation, against all odds, when everything was hopeless. Look at it. Let's read it. Romans 4.18 in the Passion Translation. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abram believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. 
Glory be to God. He took God at his word. And as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. 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 Glory be to God. That just hit me right now. It came to pass. Come on, somebody shout. It came to pass. Shout it again. It came to pass. Come on, one more time. It came to pass. Whatever you're believing for, it came to pass. Glory be to God. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. That's verse 18. Glory. Hallelujah. It came to pass. I'm going to have to pause right there. It came to pass. What are you seeking the Lord for? You need to start by, by faith. Just start shouting. It came to pass. It came to pass. Oh, do you remember when we were believing for that? I remember that. It came to pass. Hallelujah. There was, I feel led to share the story. There was a time early in our ministry uh, I had heard of ministries receiving large checks. And what I mean by large, uh, a five-figure and above check. Now, every gift is precious to the Lord. Every gift is special. Every gift is received by God when given with a, with a, with a heart. And so the denomination of the gift doesn't matter in, in regards to the giver because you are giving from where you are. You are giving from the space and the place that you are. But a few years ago, early on, I, I was I, I heard people receiving five figure checks and our ministry at the time. had never received a five figure check. And I said, you know, I told Stacy, I said, we're going to believe God. Let's believe God. We're sowing at a certain level and believe in God. Let's believe him for a, a five figure check. Which is, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. And I think, man, I think you were with me, too. I think I should have. Let's believe God that a five figure check would just come into our ministry. Well, we went a couple of years after that. We just, I believe God, because a five-figure check can change a conversation. Five-figure check can do this and do that in our life, and, and we're just going to stand and believe God. Well, we believe in God. And for years, I was just standing on, Lord, thank you that you are sending a five-figure check into our ministry. Listen, it's not about the money. It was about I'm being stretched to believe God for something bigger than I can do on my own. If you got a God that you, that you can carry around in your pocket or in a suitcase, you don't need that kind of God. You need a God that can carry you around. And so we were believing God. And one day, whoo, come on, somebody shout, one day. I get a call from, uh, I believe it was Natasha, and she said, Pastor, someone gave a five-figure check in the offering. It came to pass. Hallelujah. It came to pass. Now, it didn't happen the next day. It didn't happen the next month. It didn't happen the next year. It happened one day. It came to pass. And guess what? Ever since then, by God's grace and his mercy, we've received four, five, six, five-figure checks since then. Because, now listen, listen to me. Because there was expectation, there was a demand placed upon it. See, many of us don't have a hope. Our, our hopes are, 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 are non-existent. Our hope is, is, is nowhere to be found. Our hopes have been laid to rest. Our hopes have been buried and we don't really have an expectation of something good from God. 
Matter of fact, here's a way to find out if, you're, if you have hope in your life. Uh, if, if I to walk up to you and ask you, what are you excited about? And you can't tell me? That's an indicator that you have buried your hope. You've buried your expectation. If I ask you, what are you looking forward to? And you sit back and take 29 minutes to answer the question. <laughs> that's an indicator that you are not expecting anything in the future. Not from God. And so the way I keep myself full of hope, I ask myself, what am I excited about? Man, I, you know, I'm excited. I'm writing a new book. I'm excited about this book. And God's going to give us a new church building. Y'all know that? We're going to get a new church building. I'm excited about the new campus. I don't know when. I don't know where. I don't know how. But I'm excited about it. And, and I told y'all many, I just told y'all last week that I, I'm really excited about airplanes now. Who, who knows? I mean, I was talking to my son. I said, you know, daddy might buy a plane. I was, I was semi-joking. And he was like, you should buy it in the next three years. I was like... Yes, yes. I mean, we're dreaming. We might as well just keep dreaming. Are you listening to me? Might as well. Why can't you have something nice? The problem is the nice thing having you. Does Does a nice thing bind you and restrict you and hold you where God said, I can't trust you with that. Because that's something that's going to be a God in your life. No, we're to, we're to be pressing and believing and standing on and have biblical hope towards God's promise towards us. What has God promised you? What has he promised you? You might be right now in the land of obscurity where no one knows your name. No one knows who you are. You don't have the resources to do everything that God has called you to do. You don't have the resources to be a blessing to your family like like you want to be a blessing to your family. You're, you're just in this space, and I have good news for you. Keep walking. Just keep walking. How do you get from point A to, to point B? One step at a time. And as you keep walking, keep your hope active. Keep your expectation active. God is going to do this thing. I'm telling you, I, 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 it came to pass. I have seen him do it in my life. See, God will give you glimpses. Are you listening to me this morning? God will give you glimpses of his, of his glory in your life. You'll, you'll have glimpses like that five figure check was for me. He, he gave me a glimpse. See, see, this is a glimpse of just what I could do. And then remember, Jeremy, my friend, uh, he came and prophesied that, that God would cause people to give hundreds of thousands, even millions. But he gave me the glimpse through what I was believing for in the five-figure check. He'll give you glimpses, and those glimpses was what keep you going. How many of you have got a glimpse? You've seen a glimpse where God, you've seen something good happen in your life. You're like, and God said, I want you to keep moving. See, this is just a glimpse of where you can be. Just keep walking, keep moving, keep plowing, keep plugging, keep going, keep going forward, keep stepping one foot at a time, and he'll give you a glimpse. When you get tired, when you get to the point where you're like, I'm ready to give up, I'm ready to stop, God gives a glimpse. For my life, it's been a glimpse. Somebody will send me an email that says, man, when you spoke about that, that really blessed me. And let me tell you how this, that was just a glimpse of what the Lord is doing 
in my life. He said, keep going. See, just keep going. And this is what this is what you do. You just keep walking, expecting the glimpses to continue. The glimpses should give you the strength. And this is what happened with Abraham. The strength. It, the, the Bible says, look, let's pull it back in the New King James Version one more time. Romans 4, 18 in the New King James Version. Look, it says, who contrary to hope or against all odds in hope believe, he continued to believe. So he became the father of many nations because of the word, according to what was spoken. Look at verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was 100 years old of the deadness of Sarah's womb. Let's pause here. He did not consider his own body. That caused him not to be weak in faith. See, if he had considered, well, I'm 100 years old now. I, I, you know, it took, it's taken 25 years. Maybe, just maybe, I didn't hear from God correctly. He didn't consider his own body. He didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider any of the negative forces that were all around him. He didn't consider it. He only considered the word that God spoke to him. That's where he put his focus on. So that caused him to get stronger. So he didn't consider the problem over the promise. He considered the promise over the problem. Are you getting this this morning? Are you getting it? He, he considered the promise what did God say? That's the promise over the problem. And when you only think about the promise over the problem, you will get stronger. You get weak when you think about the problem over the promise. That's when you get weak and tired and depressed and fatigued and oh worried because you're thinking the problem over the promise. But when you begin to consider the promise over the problem, you're going to get stronger. You're going to increase in joy. You're going to increase in strength. You're going to keep plugging and you're going to keep plowing because there is a promise. And when you get tired, God will give you a glimpse. <laughs> a glimpse. Keep moving. How many know what I'm talking about with this glimpse? A flash. Like, keep going, keep going, keep moving, keep walking. This is a glimpse of the glory of what I've said to you. If you just keep going, and I want to say this, you ain't too old. I know that ain't good English, but you ain't too old. You are not too old. Oh, I'm just getting, I'm to the point I'm getting to be 70, and I'm almost, you know, 65, and I can't believe it, I'm almost 21, and, and you, <laughs> you ain't too old. Hallelujah. For God to continue to do what he said he, he would do. Now, real quick, Romans 15, verse 13. Let's take a look here real quick. Romans 15, verse 13. Somebody shout, I believe. I believe. Paul says here once again, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's break this out. The God of hope, the originator of hope, the source of all hope, the instigator, the initiator of hope, this intense uh, expectation from God that's based upon the promise of God. There's no doubt about it when we're talking about biblical hope. We don't mix biblical hope with doubt whatsoever. It is done. 
It's just a matter of when. We don't know when, but it's done. And I need to say this to you. And God's trying to get you ready to get to the place to where you are able to stand in that place when you finally get there because of your character is built and because your integrity has been built that you can stand at this promise of God. You got to be able to stand in it. I was talking to a friend of mine and he's single. He has no kids. And and I have four kids and one of them is in college. She's listening to us right now. And so I, I have four and he has none. And we were talking the other day. He was saying he's he's in his middle 40s. He's unmarried, no kids. And he was saying, man, I just don't know what I would what I would do with with kids. And, you know, he was going on and about, you know, just single kids. And, you know, at this point, I mean, he's living he's living his life. You know, I mean, kids would be a detriment to the life that he's living. And so I said, you know, the worst thing that I can do for you right now, if you want to know the worst thing I can do, the worst thing I can do is bring all my four kids over the house to your house and have you watch them for the weekend. (laughs) He would have a mental breakdown. He would lose it. That's the worst thing. I said, if I want to really want to do something really bad to you, I'll bring my kids over and drop them off. Now, the 18-year-old we'll take with us, but the other ones, we just leave them there all weekend. It's the worst thing that I can do to you. He started laughing. I, 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 why? Because he, he had, you have to grow into this thing. You can't, it can't just be given to you. And, that, and I know somebody, I just want it. I just want it. Just give it to me. Give it to me. But are you able to stand when you get it? And he was like, how are you able to handle? He was asking, how are you able to handle all these kids? I know y'all know what I'm talking about. How are you able to handle all these kids? I, I, I had to grow into it. Now I'm at a place that I, I can do it. But the worst thing I could do, or if, if I, if I, you know, and this can happen and I, it should happen. But I told him, if you were to marry someone that has four kids and, and that's, that, that, that first year, it's going to be really, really rough because you haven't had the time to grow into this thing. Who am I talking to today? You ready? You're ready. The other person, somebody, somebody is believing God to get married. The other person may not be ready. They got. So you waiting on the other person to get ready so that they can grow into this union. You got to grow into this thing. I've told y'all before, if I'd opened the church doors 10 years ago and 10,000 people showed up, I would be, I probably would be dead because I wouldn't be able to handle all of the whining and, I mean, all of the happy, nice people that God would bring. You got to grow into it. And some of you are not where you want to be or you're not where you should be or not where God said you'd be because you're still in the developmental phase. And God's not, he's not looking at the clock. You're looking at the clock, but he's not. And you're looking like, oh, what's taking so long? Oh, what's taking so long? Oh, my goodness, I'm 32. I'm, I'm 47. I'm 58. What in the world? What's taking so long? And God's saying, I- I'm developing you. There's got to be some construction going on in your life. There's got to be some, some change that takes place in your life so that when you get there, glory to God, You'll be able to stand in that place knowing that having done all the stand, I can stand. You'll be able to appreciate it. 
If you ever bought something cash, you saved money and bought it cash, how much appreciation do you have for it? You have more than you went with the credit card and got it. I'm telling the truth. You saved up and I'm going to sacrifice to save up. There's more appreciation for it because of the sweat equity that you had involved in it. Who am I talking to this morning? That God is saying, get your hopes up. He says, I'm the God of hope. He says, I want you to abound in hope. He's he's saying, I want you to have more and more hope. I want you to get your hopes up. I want you to overflow in hope, in this earnest expectation. I'm going to do something good for you. And, And faith is connected with hope. I mean, if you don't have hope, it's hard to continue in faith. And if I'm the enemy, if I can't do nothing about the, about the word already sown in your heart, then I'm going to go after your hope, your expectation. And here's the truth of the matter is, you get what you expect. Job said, the thing I feared the most, the thing I was expecting the most, has come upon me. You get what you expect to get. This is the, cause expectation is like a magnet that draws all these possibilities. Expectation is like an outstretched neck that is looking around the corner. And this is what happens. If it's, if it's evil, it's worry. I'm looking around the corner. Oh, oh shoot. There's, there's COVID over there. I bet, I bet, I bet not, you know, COVID's everywhere. I bet not go anywhere. If that's your expectation, You'll get your expectation. But if your expectation is, you know what? I've got to do what God's called me to do. I got to be where God's called me to be. Then I'm expecting God and I'm taking him at his word. Literally. At the word of God and saying, this is what God said. And my expectation is connected to that word. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. Amen. It's your expectation. It's your hope. God's saying here, put that back on the screen real quick. Romans 15, 13. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. This expectation should fill you with joy and peace. How do you know you have an intense, earnest expectation from God? Because you are filled with joy and peace. Peace. Glory to God. Believing shouldn't be difficult. Believing should be filled with joy and peace. That you may abound in hope. That means you got to have an abundance of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to help you with your hope. He's going to uh, be a comforter. He's going to be an advocate, a standby for you where hope is concerned. And God is ex- got so much expectation that he wants you to also be expecting from him as well. I've got, I've got more to share, but I'm going to pause right there. Stand to your feet and just a ministry moment here. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm talking to someone either in this building and worshiping with us wherever they are. There's someone that the Lord has this message for. And you have buried your hope. 
you've come to a place that you're no longer expecting what you used to expect from God. It's like life has kind of bombarded itself on you. And your expectations, those dreams, those visions you had as a child, you're no longer expecting them. God sent me here today to tell you to abound in hope. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm the only one looking. If I'm talking to you today, lift up your right hand. If I'm talking to you, I see hands up. Hands up all over the building. My hands up too. I'm expecting. And I've laid some things down. I've laid some things down. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.